Welcome to River City 360, views and news from around Winnipeg. My name is Nolan Becknell. Usually with me is Robert Zirk, but he is out sick today. We are continuing to highlight the categories from Winnipeg Vital Signs, and today's episode features stories about reconciliation. Up first, we'll learn about a new healing force that's been announced for St. John's Park. Kyle Mason, one of the steering committee members for the Winnipeg Healing Forest, will join us in studio to tell us about the project and the importance of it to the North End community. Then we'll be joined by Norma Alberg. She's of the Child Nutrition Council of Manitoba. They're having their sixth annual Stone Soup fundraiser next week, and she's going to let us know what's new this year and what we can all expect. And last but not least, we'll have our returning segment, This Week in Winnipeg, where we're going to tell you about some of the excellent events and goings-on in our wonderful city. We've got all this, some great tunes, and much, much more on today's episode of River City 360. Hello and welcome to RC360. Nolan flying solo with you today. We are missing a Robert Zirk. He is out sick. He was in pretty rough shape when I saw him earlier today. But well wishes to you, Robert. I hope you feel better because you looked pretty rough and uh, you need some rest and relaxation, I think, sir. Just take it easy for the next day or two. Hope everyone out there is feeling wonderful, uh, that you're having a wonderful Thursday or Saturday or whenever you happen to be listening to this. Winnipeg has gone through kind of a crazy uh, week. It dumped uh, feet of snow on us a few days ago and then it got nice and warm and turned it all to slush and now it's freezing again so making for some very precarious situations out on the road so just make sure you take care of yourself take care of everyone else on the road and uh, don't do anything that I wouldn't do behind the wheel we're going to dedicate our first song to my co-host, Robert, who is away and sick. If you want, out there want to dedicate a song to someone, give us a call. Our number is open 24-7-365. You can call 204-944-9474, extension 360, and dedicate a song to someone you care about, because I'm about to dedicate our first song to someone I care about. Robert, this is for you, buddy. It's The Hollies with He Ain't Heavy, He's My Brother, right here on RC360.
Thank you for listening to River City 360. Nolan and Robert here with you today, and I'm now joined in studio by Kyle Mason. He is a member of the steering committee of the Winnipeg Healing Forest. Kyle, thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having us. So the Healing Sorry. Forest. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure to have you. The Healing Forest uh, is Winnipeg is established, or it's expected to be established in the uh, northeast corner of St. John's Park. Uh, the first phase was gonna, is going to be happening this summer, and it was just announced in February, I believe. Uh, yeah, it's actually. The timelines, uh, we had our official launch uh, about a month ago, and um, though some aspects of the force are actually going to be installed uh, by, the end of, by the end of March. Oh, cool. Very yeah, cool. So, so it's, it, it's, it's going to be a living memorial in honor of residential school survivors and missing and murdered Indigenous women. Uh, can you just tell us a little bit more, more about what inspired the project initially and, and what people can expect from, from the, uh, from the uh, Healing Forest? Yeah, a couple of our community members uh, were at a conference um, someplace else in the country. I can't recall where, but they, you know, it, it's it, and it's connected to the Truth and Reconciliation um, Center at the U of M and the, the whole overall truth and reconciliation process that Canada is going through. So a couple of our members were at a conference and they, they heard about this idea of a healing force going across the country, uh, you know, in, di- in different uh, mm-hmm. um, 
centers throughout the country. So there's one in Edmonton. Uh, they're the first one, and uh, Winnipeg's going to be the second one. Very and, cool. Uh, so they had they had they they heard about it. They were inspired by it. They came back and they uh, wanted to sit down with a couple of people uh, just to explore the idea. Yeah. And so apparently they they had their first meeting, uh, sitting having lunch at Nietzsche Commons on Main Street. Mm-hmm. And I just so happened to be having an unrelated lunch meeting a couple tables over, and my meeting finished uh, early. So as I was getting up and walking out, uh, I saw and uh, know one of the uh, committee members, and uh, her name is uh, Judy, Judy Washalisha Leach. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and uh, so Judy, uh, you know, she's a lifelong North Ender, represented the neighborhood in a couple different ways on a couple different levels, and... Um, and in my previous uh, employment, I, I used to be the director um, of a place called the North End Family Center. Okay. So Judy and I have had a lot of interactions. And as I was walking past, just putting on my jacket, she's like, Kyle, come sit down. And uh, I was just like, okay, well, when Judy tells you to, <laughs> to sit down, you sit down. Take a seat. Yeah. And, you know, when she was an elected politician, she was uh, very helpful towards uh, the North End Family Center. So I said, to them, well, what's up? And she introduced me to the other people at the table. There's two others there, the, the two women who heard, heard about the idea. And she's like, we're starting the dream up with this idea of a healing forest. And yeah. so that's how I personally got involved. And uh, it, it's actually been going on a pretty good clip ever since. Yeah. It's, like, very, it's interesting to think about a concept of, it's almost like a Trans-Canada Highway, but for forestry. Or yeah. for, and that's all w- within, the same, within the same goals and, and idea. Mm-hmm. Um, w- what's the significance of this specific um, forest and where it's going to be in the city? Is there a significance to where you decided to, to put it? Well, we thought St. John's Park uh, worked in multiple different ways. One... Um, Unrelated St. John's Park this summer is already going through a renewal process. Uh, you know, it's uh, Winnipeg's uh, one of Winnipeg's oldest parks, and you know I live in the immediate neighborhood, so I go there with with my family, and that's our that's our neighborhood mm-hmm. park. So I could I, I I I could already see it. I remember thinking last summer like, oh, this park is showing its age. Um, so I was really happy to hear when the, you know, the, the park itself was being renewed and. Um, and so we just kind of thought, well, it'd be one to be good to kind of tag along and kind of hop on that yeah. process. But it also makes sense that uh, St. John's Park would be the location because St. John's Park uh, was gifted to the city um, uh, from St. John's Cathedral. Mm. And St. John's Cathedral is apparently the oldest uh, um, Angl- Anglican parish in Western Canada. And um, so the, the cathedral... Um, and I, th- I believe they were gifted the land through the uh, the Pegos Treaty mm. uh, a couple hundred years ago. And uh, so, you know, St. John's Cathedral has a long history with the province, and so does this land. And, and you know, it's, you know let, let's be honest, you know, the Anglican Church, um, you know, has not had the greatest history when it comes to, um, you know, indigenous relations through residential schools and that kind of stuff. But I know that the Anglican Communion in Canada is um, very much on board with reconciliation and trying to heal and atone for past sins. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think a part of their effort is to like, okay, we want to uh, we want to be a part yeah, of this yeah. process. And so uh, even the cathedral itself has a seat at our table. Right. And uh, so it just made sense because there's a long history through this park and the park is already going through a new renewal process with the city. Yeah, win-win. Yeah, so it just it made a lot of sense to, to try to put it there. It seems like a good first step towards reconciliation in a bit. 
a, an important part of reconciliation is education mm-hmm. and learning. How is uh, how are you going to incorporate education into the? Is there going to be a, an aspect of, of how of yeah. learning about the past? Yeah, in, absolutely. In That's actually going to be a, uh, one of the main focuses. Is like uh, we, in addition to having the actual healing force created or put into the park. Um, we're also developing a curriculum for for students. Uh, I believe for like for field trips, kind of. Or yeah, for yeah. field trips. So so students, you know, of all the different grades and also post secondary, could come and like hold classes there nice. in, in in you know in the healing forest. Uh, and then there's going to be some curriculum made and handouts made for the teachers and for the students, you know, to, to kind of tell them about what the forest is about, what it represents, and and you know, connect it to reconciliation. Is there going to be um, traditional indigenous healing um, plants or things like yeah, that? Yeah, we're going to have plants, we're going to have gardens, uh, you know, there's, you know there's, uh, I believe there's even a plan for like, you know, a place to, to, to have sacred fires oh, cool. awesome. and, uh, you know, a smudge bowl and the things that go along with nice. that. Yeah. When you sat down with uh, Miss Mrs. Was, Alicia Lise, and she offered you the opportunity to work on this project, why did you say yes? What, what, why is this personally important to you? Oh, yeah, good question. And just for clarity, it was uh, it was Judy and a couple of the other women on the committee, and we've now f- our committee is up to about ten people. Oh, nice. Um, and there's more people wanting to join, for so, sure. which is very encouraging. But yeah, why why was it important to me? Uh, it's important to me for all, all many different reasons. Uh, I, I, earlier, I said that uh, like I live in the North End. I, I like I live literally just around the corner from St. John's Park. So this is, like I said, this is the park where. Uh, you know, me and my family go to. This is the park where my my young son, you know, goes to, to play and, and the sandcastles and, you know, on the swings and all that kind of stuff. Um, so I know it's going to be a beautiful addition to the park. Uh, so just as a resident, uh, that was something I, that I wanted to be a part of. Uh, but somebody who also up until very recently worked in the neighborhood with under-resourced families that are... Um, the numbers that I saw through the organization at the North End Family Center where I worked, uh, largely see mostly uh, Indigenous peoples. And uh, so for the for those community members in the neighborhood, uh, I wanted there to be something because I know a lot of the people that walk into the North End Family Center, um, a lot of them are residential school survivors or they have, um, you know, family members who are murdered or missing. And so this is something that is truly important for the people literally that are around the park. Um, so I, I, it was important for me as a North Ender. Um, but I'm also the son uh, of uh, two uh, residential school survivors. So residential schools has been something that's been in my family uh, for a few generations. It, it, it has impacted my, my parents and the generations before. And um, as the son of two survivors, it, it has impacted me. Uh, as I've gotten older, I just come to realize more and more how it has impacted me in different ways. On a deep level, I would imagine, right? Yeah, like yeah, exactly. You know, m- my parents have had to endure some truly horrific things, and uh, I've been impacted different ways. But now I'm I'm a father. I'm a father of a four-year-old, and uh, so I'm gonna, one of my lifelong missions is to have the idea. Um, or the have residential schools and the impact almost be an, an idea, almost a foreign concept for my son. Now, of course, we are raising him to have a deep understanding of these things, but I don't want him to be personally impacted by it. That's one of my biggest lifelong missions is for my son not to have um, the, the legacies of the impact mm-hmm. go on to his life and to future generations. Um, so to do that, we need to have healing. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, my family needs to have healing. Mm-hmm. I need to have healing. Uh, the country so needs to have healing. Exactly. Uh, so this healing forest will be in a very, again, a tangible, important way of doing that for not just for the country and our community, but even for, for my family and me personally. Uh, so there's a lot of different reasons to why I wanted to get involved, um, yeah. whether it you know, be a resident, somebody who works with indigenous communities in the neighborhood, or just for me personally yeah. and my family. Well, it sounds like a wonderful idea. We're going to take a short musical break. When we come back, I'll ask you about some of the specific features about the about the park and how people can find out more information. Great. Stay tuned. Gonna find me a blue bed. Let him sing me a song. Cause my heart's been broken much too long. Gonna chase me a rainbow through a heaven of blue. Cause I'm all through crying. Completed my dreams come true. Then came the time my life was haunted, my love unwanted. come true then came the time my life was haunted my love unwanted all for you gonna find me a bluebird let him sing me a song cause my heart's been broken much too I'm all through crying over you. We are speaking with Kyle Mason, steering committee member for the Winnipeg Healing Forest. Tell me a little bit more about the design. What, what's it going to look like? Describe it for us if, so we can visualize. Well, we're, we're, I can tell you generally because okay, it's, all, it's all the little the details are still being worked out gotcha. because, uh, you know, we committee members, uh, we have our ideas and we, we, have, we have consulted, you know, the, the, the surrounding community and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But, uh, but, of course, we're also consulting with, with elders. Mm-hmm. And um, so the elders... Um, sometimes have different ideas at different times. So we're, we're trying to incorporate the different ideas, but they, the elders kind of share their ideas 
uh, sporadically. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. so we can't we can't quite say we have just a firm idea right now. But generally speaking, there's going to be uh, two kind of gathering areas, and this we're, we are planting some new trees to uh, and you know go to go with the existing trees in the in the par- in the park already. Uh, but there's going to be a couple circles with uh, with log benches. Uh, they're not going to okay. be your typical like park benches. Yeah. Uh, these are going to be log benches that are. Um, can almost look like they just fell. Like from just natural. They, yeah, yeah, they yeah. just naturally fell over, and nice. then they just people started sitting on them. Um, and and they're actually being designed where uh, we're not going to put things on the benches to prevent people from lying down on them, um, because um, sometimes benches are designed that way. But we know that there are um, under-resourced families um, that actually kind of camp out uh, in that park during the summer. And uh, sometimes you just need a, a, a comfortable place to sit. Mm-hmm. And sometimes um, community members need a comfortable place to lie down at night. For sure. So uh, these log benches will even retain some heat and all that kind of stuff. Cool. So, Because uh, some of our indigenous brothers and sisters um, just need a little love and support that way. Yeah. But other aspects of how it will look, uh, yeah, like I say, it will have, it will be a couple circles. One will be uh, focused on, you know, uh, on, on the plants mm-hmm. and the gardens, and the others will be focused on kind of providing a, a place for holding those classes. Cool. I'm excited to see it. Um, before I let you go, I want to ask you, how, how, do you th- how do you feel when you see projects like this that are really focused on reconciliation? How do you think Winnipeg is doing on our sort of journey, on our journey with reconciliation? Uh, I think overall we're doing well like the, the, we, we've come a long way for sure like the back it up a bit like so what a year and a half ago uh winnipeg was branded the right. most, uh, most racist the city. infamous mclean's article yeah exactly we were branded the most racist city in canada and i'm not going to say if that's accurate or not but um you know being an indigenous person myself i have experienced racism throughout my life mm-hmm. and um you know it's not an it's not an academic uh, thing for me. It's something that uh, that I have felt, mm-hmm. that I've s- seen, and uh, that I've experienced. Because uh, I, I live in, in the North End. Up until recently, I was working in the North End. I'm involved uh, with the Healing Force and about four other different boards and committees in the North End. So I am a North Ender through and through. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, so I would say, you know, th- there is... Uh, has been and still remains to be a fair bit of racism towards indigenous peoples. And I think that's largely based out of lack of knowledge, mm-hmm. lack of understanding. Because yeah. uh, time and time again, because I, I do a fair bit of speaking on reconciliation, um, I run into people like, I never heard this in school. Mm-hmm. I, never, I never heard this in, in university. And it seems that, you know, proper indigenous history and um, relationships between Canada and indigenous people seems to only be a fairly recent thing that's being incorporated into right. into the education system, say, the fi- yeah. last five or six years. Um, so I would like to say that it's not racist people or racist attitudes. It's a lack of uh, knowing and a lack of understanding the history and the context. Very well said. Yeah. But um, so I think, you know, the last couple of years, you know, when the mayor uh, held that press conference at City Hall and he said, you know, now we have we have some work to mm-hmm. to do. I think the mayor and many many others in the city we have done a lot of good work, but there's still a long way to go. Yeah, for sure. So the healing forest, uh, I think, will play an important role of that. Definitely. Th- this would be a physical, tangible place where people can go, 
they can think, they can contemplate, they can connect with the creator in whatever way is meaningful for them. Um, Stories of the past can be shared and uh, brainstorming for how we can have a different, better future together can all happen here. And it'd be be a physical, tangible place because sometimes the idea of reconciliation is that it's just an idea mm-hmm. sometimes it's kind of hard to put into practice yeah and, for sure but this would be a physical place where people can come and gather and be together well it's a great step on the journey on the path of life it's a lifelong journey to reconciliation i think it is um, where can people learn a little bit more about the healing forest and about reconciliation in general uh i would encourage people to find the healing forest winnipeg on, on facebook and twitter uh, we don't have a website right now uh, but we were pretty active on Facebook and Twitter. Yeah, so facebook.com slash Healing Forest Project or just search the Healing Forest Winnipeg. You can find it on Google everywhere. Kyle Mason, thank you very much for telling us about the Healing Forest and uh, we really appreciate your time. Thank you. Thanks again to Kyle Mason for speaking with us today. As we mentioned, you can visit facebook.com slash Healing Forest Project, all one word for more information, or you can look them up on Twitter by searching at Healing Forest W. Coming up next, one of our favorite events of the year is happening next week, where we get to try delicious, incredible soups while supporting a wonderful cause. Stone Soup 2018 is happening next Wednesday, and we've got Norma Alberg of the Child Nutrition Council of Manitoba on her way into the studio, and she's going to tell us all about Stone Soup. It's a wonderful, wonderful experience. Uh, If you've never been, you should go this year because it's really cool and it supports a great cause, so uh, no reason not to, right? Before we get to Norma... Here's a throwback that I promised Rob that I would play in honor of Stone Soup. We've got Animal Crackers in My Soup, sung by Shirley Temple, right here, River City 360. Animal Crackers in My Soup, Monkeys and Rabbits loop the loop. Gosh, oh, but I have fun swallowing animals one by one. In every bowl of soup I see, lions and tigers watching me. I make them jump right through a hoop Those animal crackers in my soup When I get hold of the big bad wolf I just push him under the ground Then I bite him in a million bits And I go boom him right down When they're inside me where it's dark I walk around like no it's art I stuff my tummy like a goop With animal crackers in my soup Crackers in my soup do funny things to me. They make me think my neighborhood is a big menagerie. For instance, there's our janitor. His name is Mr. Klein. And when he hollers at us kids, he reminds me of the wild. It's so big and fat, he has a big mustache He looks just like a walrus just before he takes a splash Animal crackers in my soup Monkeys and rabbits loop the loop Gosh, oh but I have a swallowing animal one by one In every bowl of soup I see Lions and tigers watching me I make them jump right through a hook Those animal crackers in my soup I just push him under two ground Then I bite him in a million bits And I go move him right down When they're inside me where it's dark I walk around like no it's arc 
to River City 360. Nolan and Robert here with you today. And we're now joined in studio by Norma Albrecht. She's the board director of the Child Nutrition Council of Manitoba, and we're here to talk stone soup. Norma, thank you for joining us. My pleasure. Friend of the show, you've been here a couple times before, I think. Uh, we always love talking about stone soup, but we also love experiencing stone soup. For But for our listeners who haven't heard of this wonderful event, just give us the rundown. What is stone soup? Stone Soup is the uh, annual fundraiser, this year our sixth annual, for the Child Nutrition Council of Manitoba. The council um, is responsible for allocating grant funding to the school breakfast and snack programs around the province. So uh, we have tremendous support, of course, from the uh, government and from the Winnipeg Foundation in this endeavor through the Moffat Family Fund. And we try to really engage the community as well in uh, adding some extra funds, having some fun. So we've based this fundraiser on the children's story of Stone Soup, where the community does collectively come together and create tremendous uh, soup or feast for the community. So uh, we have our sixth Stone Soup uh, happening next Wednesday on uh, March the 14th. It's uh, always at the uh, Hydro Place Gallery. The Manitoba Hydro is a tremendous uh, partner in this regard. And uh, so we'll be there at uh, noon hour for two hours next uh, Wednesday with 12 chefs, some old, some new, and some tremendous soup. Now, I know what my answer to this question is, but why do you think this is such a successful event every year? Wow. Um, Well, it really has taken on a life of its own. So it's, uh, why is it successful? I think it happens in uh, Winnipeg, although last week we thought it was spring. It's clearly (laughs) still winter. Yeah, nice warm bowl of soup (laughs) on a cold day. It's it's downtown and it's a noon hour, um, it's a noon hour uh, event. So it's really popular with the uh, community, with the uh, downtown workers and uh, Having a nice hot bowl of soup mm-hmm. on a cold winter day, nothing better. No kidding. For a good cause. So let's talk about some of the 12 chefs you announced on the website, I believe. Just give mm-hmm. us a, a bit of a rundown of who's going to be involved and what we can expect. Okay. Well, we have um, one of our great partners, the uh, Red River Culinary uh, Arts uh, School. They'll be there. And uh, the school, the high school that we have this year is Maples mm-hmm. Met School. And there's a couple of great students coming in, and uh, it'll be interesting to to see the uh, soup that they've put together. Uh, We also have uh, a couple of new ones in this year. We have Brazen Hall Mm -hmm. from uh, on Pembina Highway, and uh, Chris Kopansky there. He's a great supporter of many uh, community causes, so they've come on board. 
And uh, we have, uh, for our WOW hospitality, we have uh, different restaurants uh, generally each year. And this year we are, uh, we have uh, Carne Chop House. Oh, nice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that could be good. And some of our uh, tremendous supporters that have been there right from the beginning. We have uh, Inferno's mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and uh, French Way Cafe, Rudy's Eat and Drink. Cool. And then Clay Elvin is back in for their third year as well. So I'm going to put you on the spot. What is your, I'm not going to say who your favorite chef has been or your favorite soup, but what is, if you could just have any bowl of soup right now, what would be your, your type of soup that you would choose? Recently, I was at Festival and partook in the uh, pea soup competition. Yeah. And one of our restaurants last year was Sousoul. Okay. Uh, one of Michael Schaefer's restaurants, and um, they were at Festival. And Kurt, he had put together what I would describe as my grandmother's pea soup. Oh. It was just exquisite. It had the right texture and flavor, and so a pea uh, soup is your answer. A, that's a pretty good one. Yeah. I'm wondering if there will be a pea soup at Stone Soup. I this cannot year. tell you. Oh, do you know? I do. I, oh. I know most of the soups now. Interesting. We know them, of course, um, a little while in advance so that we can get all of our printing done. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, but we keep it a little secret yeah. first for the chefs so that for they sure. stay focused on what they're doing. And then uh, keep a little bit of uh, wonderment yeah, for okay. the well, that's public. Kinda, that's part of the best pro- experience. <laughs> you know, you show up and you have, you go through the list and you get to decide which ones you want to try. <laughs> and it's just really part of the whole part of the whole experience of what you get to what you get to see and try and experience so maybe just lay out so how when someone shows up they walk through the door what do they see what do they do they see the uh the hydro place gallery is full from uh, portage avenue through to graham get there early we we have our 12 chef stations set up they'll come in and uh, make a donation to the child nutrition council and with that donation they then get three tickets so that they can take their uh, event map that we produce and decide which chef and which soup they want to try. They, uh, of course, uh, really enjoy the soup and the bread and the fruit, and then we uh, encourage everybody to uh, drop their ballot into the box to vote on the uh, on their favorite soup, which results in the People's Choice Silver Ladle. We also this year will be having a a new addition. The uh, Manitoba Hydro has even stepped up their support further, and they've had an employee-led campaign going on. So they'll be selling 50-50 tickets. Oh, cool. And uh, half of that comes to the council as well. And one lucky winner could walk away. Exactly, with a nice little... uh, Chunk of change. Little chunk of change. So... Let's let's talk about the impact of of how the kids are benefiting from the Child Nutrition Council of Manitoba. What what are some of the programs that are in place that that this fundraiser and others support throughout the year? Well, this year we have about 250 programs scattered all around the province. I think there's only two uh, school divisions that are not represented, and they're really tiny divisions. We know that there's many more programs, so overall there's about 800 schools in the province, and so we are supporting uh, 250 of those. Any school that does apply gets some level of funding from us, and of course, however much money is in the pot, determines Mm -hmm. what the amount will be. Um, It's a very much a community development model that we really push and help the uh, 
programs to, to engage their own neighborhood. Some, of course, are able to do that to a greater extent mm-hmm. than others. So um, on average, though, we're, we're only able to fund, uh, this year was actually down to about 13% oh. of the amount of money that the uh, programs were requesting. There's we, a lot of need out there. There's a lot of need. And the, we had about 15 to 20 new programs coming mm-hmm. on this year. So, of course... Our success is is our our downfall. Right. Yeah. Now <laughs> so everyone wants to get involved. Yeah. For sure. And there's it just shows you that there is a need. We mm-hmm. th- those programs feed about twenty five thousand students out of approximately one hundred and eighty thousand. Wow. So some schools will have um, will provide something uh, to all students on certain days of the week. Others will um, know that they will have thirty or forty students, perhaps. Uh, in any one day that mm-hmm. needs some assistance with snacks or breakfast, so they'll they'll be ready for that. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're really encouraging the community when they come in. Although we say that a minimum donation is ten dollars, we of course have a huge amount of unmet mm-hmm. need, and we encourage them to give as much as they can. It's a charitable uh, donation; would they get a tax receipt for that? And so. We really want to see those 20s being pulled yeah, out of sure. their pocket. It'd well, be great. And that's a good deal. You know, you get lunch for 20 bucks. You can Absolutely. throw it. That's a good deal. So Wednesday, March 14th is the sixth annual so- Stone Soup Celebration. And you can come on down, get, get taste all the soups. It's, 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 it's such a good atmosphere and such a wonderful event. So I invite everyone to come down. It's so much fun. We're going to be there. River City 360 will be in person. So it'll be really cool to see. Yep, they can go uh, onto our website, childnutritioncouncil.com, and um, get further information there on uh, who will be at the event. Of course, CBC will be hosting live as well. Very cool. And uh, they can uh, pre, pre-purchase their, uh, with, through their donation on the uh, website and come in, and that'll oh, ma- maybe save a little bit of lineup Skip time the line. for them. Awesome. And then if you watch uh, early next week before the event, we'll start posting some of those cool. soup names for you, awesome. too. Fantastic. So Wednesday, March 14th, Stone Soup 2018, 360 Portage Avenue. Visit, visit childnutritioncouncil.com for more details. Norma, thank you very much for talking to us today. Norma Alberg is the board Thanks. director of Child Nutrition Council Manitoba. Thanks so much. Thanks, Nolan. See you there. Thanks again to Norma Alberg for speaking with us today. Coming up next, our very own Sonny Primolo is on his way into the studio. He's going to tell us about a few upcoming events that uh, focus on reconciliation as today's topic from vital science categories. I think it's our ninth in a row out of ten is is reconciliation. Before Sonny uh, joins us in studio, we're going to have a little music break. Here's Keb Moe with There's a Better Way right here on River City 360. say life is just a state of mind, and that you create your own reality within your mind. Therefore, you are in control, and everything is going to be all right. There is a better way.
Thank you for listening to River City 360. Nolan Bicknell here with you today. And up next, we've got a, a recurring segment called This Week in Winnipeg. We are now joined by our very own senior producer, Sonny Primolo. He's going to uh, be telling us about a few upcoming events that pertain to the reconciliation topic. That's uh, obviously from today's Vital Science Focus. Uh, so take it away, Sonny. Thanks, Nolan. There's actually a lot going on. In conjunction with the International Women's Day, there's a fundraising event to promote human rights and inspire advocacy for Indigenous women and Manitoba's homeless. Uh, the event will be emceed by Rai Moran, Director of the National Truth and Reconciliation and friend of the program. It will begin with a screening of Us and Them, a dec- documentary by filmmaker Krista Lowton, uh, which talks about human connections and the realities of homelessness in Canada over the course of a decade. Uh, there will also be a keynote speech by Sandra Delarond, uh, the co-chair of the Coalition for Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women and Girls, Manitoba Region. Uh, she'll be advocating for changes to the justice system and policing. On top of that, there will be a panel discussion with Sandra Delarond, Krista Lowton, Althea Gibosh of Got Bannock, and Jane Mayer, the past executive director of Red Road Lodge. It will be an excellent opportunity where the audience will have the chance to ask questions and learn how they can get involved as advocates for missing and murdered Indigenous women and girls, as well as the homeless. Uh, The film screening and discussion will actually take place tonight, which is March 8th at 7 p.m. at the Canadian Museum for Human Rights at 85 Israel Asper Way, and tickets are only $25. Another thing we've got going on here is a film screening that is taking place at the University of Manitoba campus on Saturday, March 10th, called Decolonizing Lens, More Than a Word. It looks at the history of Native American cultural appropriation and specifically focuses on the issues surrounding the Washington NFL football team and its use of a derogatory term as its nickname. Following that, there will be a discussion with the filmmakers, and the event is free and open to everyone. Uh, this will play uh, again take place Saturday, March 10th at 7 p.m. at the University of Manitoba's Art Lab, room 136 at 180 Daffo Road. That film screening is a part of the University of Manitoba's Indigenous Awareness Month throughout the month of March. Another event taking place March 20th and 21st is the 15th annual Elders and Traditional Peoples Gathering. It begins March 20 at 7.30 a.m. with a pipe ceremony, then goes from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. on March 20th, and from 9 a.m. to 3.30 p.m. on March 21st. Uh, The focus will be on storytelling through music, art, and poetry, and it'll take place at Megizzi Agamic Bald Eagle Lodge on the University of Manitoba campus. The event is free and everyone is welcome to attend. Again, that's the 15th annual Elders and Traditional Peoples Gathering, Tuesday, March 20th and Wednesday, March 21st, uh, from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. at Megizzi Agamic Bald Eagle Lodge at the University of Manitoba. The University of Manitoba will also host a series of talks on Indigenous knowledges led by elders and traditional teachers called Fireside Chats, which also takes place at Megizzi Agamic Bald Eagle Lodge in the Circle Room, Tuesdays from 11.30 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. On March 13th, Dr. Justin Rasmussen presents his Fireside Chat called, What Does It Mean to Be Métis? 
my personal journey in investigating the lives of my ancestors. Uh, March 20 coincides with the elders and traditional pe- people's gathering. And on March 27th, Carl Stone presents a fireside chat on tobacco and smudging. The fireside chats are free and everyone is welcome to attend. Again, the fireside chats series takes place Tuesdays at 11.30 a.m. at the University of Manitoba, Megizi Agamic Bald Eagle Lodge. You can find out about the fireside chats or, or any of the events at the U of M by visiting umanitoba.ca forward slash indigenous. Thanks, Sunny. We've got time for some more nostalgic music before we say goodbye today. So here's 101 Strings with Dear Heart right here on River City 360. That was Dear Heart by 101 Strings. It is Nolan Bicknell here with you today. I'm all alone in the studio as Robert went home sick. Get well soon, buddy. Uh, We'll see you next week. Um, But before we go, we've got time for one more song. So here's Stan Kenton and his orchestra with I'm Glad There Is You right here on RC360.
And call me fish bait. You threw your line, I didn't hesitate. I was looking for a clean slate, ways to uncomplicate my love. And then you took me on our first, first date. We started early and we stayed up late. You and I, now we can hardly wait. It's time to celebrate our
That's a wrap on this week's episode of River City 360. Thank you so much for tuning in and a huge thank you to all of our guests for talking to us today. If you'd like to hear more views and news from around Winnipeg, listen to any of our past episodes or subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode, you can go to rivercity360.org. Again, that's rivercity360.org. River City 360, views and news from around Winnipeg, is a project of the Winnipeg Foundation in partnership with 93.7 CJNU. If you'd like to give us a phone call, request a song, or suggest a topic for a future show, you can do so 24-7. Our number is 204-944-9474, extension 360. You can also hit us up on Twitter or Facebook by searching at River City 360 on Twitter or River City 360 on Facebook as well. For Robert Zirk, who's not here with us today, I'm Nolan Bicknell signing off for River City 360. Thank you so much for listening today uh, and have a great week and a great weekend. Bye-bye.